Hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of Pnimios, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. I want to start by thanking everyone for the warm feedback we got for, for the launch of the channel in the first episode and especially to a friend who requests to stay anonymous, who's sponsoring uh, today's, this week's podcast, Leilu Inishmas Shmuel Ben Soro, his neshama should have an idea. Um, in the first episode, we spoke about Tainug, pleasure, its spiritual importance, and how Hasidus puts an emphasis in helping the goof, the body, participate in the spiritual experience of enjoying life according to Torah and through the mitzvahs. In other words, that we have to make sure that the, um, the pleasure experience of living life with meaning shouldn't be such only for the soul, but also for our physical reality, for our body. And I was doubting whether to move on to an, another concept in Hasidus to explore this week or to uh, delve further in into this idea and Hashem sent me a couple of texts that I saw throughout the week that clearly indicated that we should go deeper into this. So it's brought in, in, in Hasidus um, and the posuk Aharon. In last week's Parsha, when Hashem tells Aaron to make the menorah and to uh, to light the menorah in the basin, in the Mishkon, and the way you do it, and all the details of the mitzvah, then it says Bayas Ken Aharon, and so did Aharon. Well, what's the chidush of this posuk? And Aaron did so Bayas Ken. Rashi brings. A Maimar Chazal that teaches us Lehagid Shino. He comes to teach us um, the advantage, how great Aaron Cohen was, that he didn't change it, he didn't switch, he didn't do anything different than Hashem told him. Um, and then it's ex- it's explaining Hasidus in a different way that the word Shino could also mean change, like Shana, it's a change of a year, now it's a new year, we finished the previous one and we start a new one, so Shino is changing, but also, could also come from the word Leshanot or Lishnot, which is repeating um, again and again, like Kedobor Hashoine, there are many um, times in Chazal that we use this word to refer to repeating as in, uh, you know, when you're memorizing something and you just repeat it again and again. And what the importance of this Pirush is that we're not praising Aaron just for being very religious in his routine or very, being very um, connected to the repetition of the mitzvahs to the structure of the thing because what happens is that when you do something as a ritual and only because of the routine normally ends up turning into what we call mitzvah sanoshi melumodo a repeated routine that you do it just because that's the way you do stuff but instead like a dobor chodosh to do it like a new thing you know when you get a present when you buy something new (laughs) 
For example, you buy a treadmill and the first day you get it, you open it, you set it up and there you go when you exercise on it and then it just becomes uh, a place to hang your jacket <laughs> and you don't use it again. But when it's new, you're excited about it. You appreciate it, you enjoy it, you go into it with all your chayus. And that's the Shevach, that's the big praise of Aharon. He never repeated it, even though he had to do it every day. And even though every single day he would do the same routine in the Mishkan, it was never a repeated thing. It was never the same thing as yesterday. It was a whole new experience. And just like I heard the story with Rabbi Steinsaltz, Oliva Shalom, Eben Israel, who just passed away recently, and one of his students came once and said, Rabbi, I find that davening is boring. He's like, why would you say so? Um, because, because it's always the same text. I open the Siddur, I open the prayer book every, every day, every morning, and it says the same thing for a whole bunch of pages. And the rabbi told them, the thing is that the book is the same, but you're a different person. And that's what gives your davening, that's what gives your prayer a new feeling, a new sensation. And if that's not the case, <laughs> then you're boring, not the prayers. In other words, every chosid knows that you're the one who has to bring the chayus the, the, the liveliness, the enthusiasm, the excitement to the mitzvahs. Vochai Bohem explains the Magid of Mesrich, where you should live with the mitzvahs, means that you should put life, excitement, inside of the mitzvahs. And connected to this, it brings that um, a pirush, an explanation on the Maimur Azal that says, Chai Evodom a person has an obligation to purify himself before Yom Tev, right? Before Shavuos, Pesach, Sukkot come, it's a mitzvah to purify yourself. Why? Because the Pasuk says, which translates, uh, you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. So, and he asks, wait, what's the... Uh, What's the kesher between the posuk and the explanation? And so it's just like this. Aniyomtev, aniyomtev. Every time a new yomtev comes, Hashem gives you new life. Hashem gives you a whole renewed hamshocha of energy. It's like recharging your batteries. And when Hashem gives you life, you have to be pure. What does it mean, pure? That you're not touching the carcasses. What's a carcasses? What's the dead bodies? When you have a dead animal, make sure that your yomtev, make sure that your experience of Yiddishkeit is not a dead animal. Because touching a carcass, it's unclean for you. Do not touch that. Don't get near a type of yomtev, an attitude, a type of life experience, an Yiddishkeit experience in which everything is dull, chayusless, dead. That's not what you should do. If Hashem is giving you the gift of life, it shouldn't be, that's a notion. It shouldn't be like a dead thing. What? Your life that you, you just got from Hashem. In other words, people, you know, people are afraid of dying. It's a, it's a natural thing. We love life and we're afraid of 
the end of it. But much more, I think we should be afraid of being dead while you're alive. Because that's when you blossom, let it go. Make sure that when Hashem gives you life, you're not dead while you're alive. You're not touching a carcass. You're actually living with enthusiasm. And that's the topic of Tainug. That's the real idea of pleasure, of happiness, of chayus when you do the mitzvahs. And this brings us to another concept I found this week. And I said, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I need to share this uh, with the podcast listeners. I think they're going to enjoy it. It's unbelievable. It's in Keser Shem Tov. It brings a story, interestingly, because normally the, the toilets in Keser Shem Tov are very short and to the point. And in this case, it's a little longer with a, like a background of a story. Basically, there was one of the biggest Talmidim, one of the biggest students of the Baal Shem Tov. His name was Rabbi Nachman from Horodenka. Um, he was the grandfather of the famous Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, who's named after him. And this Rabbi Nachman of Horodenka was one of the biggest Talmidim and followers of the Baal Shem Tov. And he, like many other Hasidim of the time, had a big craving to come live, live in Eretz Yisrael. And he, he did. And so he did. He made Aliyah. But back then, you, it wasn't so easy as just like to board on a plane and, and get here a couple of hours later. He had to like literally travel by foot, by a horse, from there all the way to Israel. And when he made it, he, it says for reasons known to him, it wasn't so easy to settle in Israel. And he wasn't having a, an, an easy time, not only physically, but also spiritually. And then he writes a letter to his Rebbe, to the Baal Shem Tov, telling him of the, of the hardships. And in the letter, he also tells the Baal Shem Tov of a dream he had. And he asks uh, for an interpretation. And the dream was that there was this uh, disease or sickness. It was a sick person. And then came a doctor, like a special doctor who had a medicine, and he gave him the medicine, and the medicine was very, very bitter, very bitter, and when the person drank it, it was like really um, uncomfortable uh, swallowing it, but then it worked, and he cured him. But then a better doctor came and offered a sweet medicine. And now that the sick people tasted the sweet medicine, not only they got cured, but they even enjoyed the process. That was a dream. And the Baal Shem Tov answers that the interpretation of the soul of the, <laughs> of the dream is the, the following. What we're looking for is a cure for the soul. The soul is a spiritual being. It's defined by its thirst for truth, for godliness, for spirituality, for meaning. The Neshom is craving to have something spiritual in this, inside of this physical life. It happens to be that the experiences of the Neshoma occurred inside of a body, and so the body pulls one way to physicality, to convenience, to selfishness, to self-development and physical productivity. And the Neshoma pulls the other to the other side. He wants connection, he wants godliness, he wants spirituality. And we're, we find ourselves in the tension that's created between these two um, realities. 
One way to fix this problem, one way to cure this, is to give the sick person a bitter medicine. What's a bitter medicine? Basically, you put down the gash mules. Very simple. We have a contradiction. Spirituality aims higher. Materiality aims lower. Simple. Take a, um, <laughs> what do you, how do you say? Take a hammer and give on the head of the materiality, put it down on the way. You break B, you're left only with A, and that's it. You found the solution. Then there is no more tension. There is no more fight because B doesn't exist anymore to contradict A. And that's how many good Jews understood the way of Torah for hundreds of years until the Baal Shem Tov came along. That's how most Frume Eden understood it. In the way of Ta'aniyot Vesigufim, that's a wording he uses. Like fasting and making the body suffer, basically educating or more than educating, training our, our horse by giving it on the head. Give the body on the head and don't let him enjoy. And so the wording over there is Ta'aniyot is Vesigufim. So people think that we're referring to big tzaddikim that in the past, they used to fast all days of the week besides for Shabbos and they used to, uh, you know, uh, roll around in the, in the snow without clothes to feel the, the pain of the cold and break the body to, 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 you know, to train it to not search for bodily pleasures and connect to Hashem. But the truth is that the concept also applies nowadays that we don't do neither fasting or, or rolling on the snow. But the general attitude of Yiddishkeit could be one of fasting and rolling, just without the actual fasting and rolling. In what way? Giving on the head to all the Gashmins. You look at the materiality of life and you attack it. Either you get convinced by the attack and then you become a spiritual creature and like it says in there, the cure worked. Or uh, sometimes it doesn't really work, but at least it gets you enough traumatized to hate life. And you're not connected to the Ruchnius, but then you feel guilty when you do the Gashmius also. And besides for the, now, besides for the consequences to, the, to yourself, to like that, that we just said, that either you're serving Hashem without the goof, best case scenario, or you're not even fully serving Hashem, you just feel guilt for everything you do, worst case scenario, besides for the consequences to yourself, you also develop, and this is the strong word that it brings there, the Baal Tov, you develop a type of judgmental attitude towards others. He brings there the story of Rabbi Shimon and his son, that after being in the cave for 12 years, we all know the story, they, 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 they ran away from the Romans and basically they learned Toido in a spiritual way, Hashem made a miracle, gave them a tree right there and a and a Nachal Maim, and basically they lived off of Hashem's miracles and they all learned Torah day and night for 12 years. They got to such elevated spiritual state that the Gemara tells us that when they came out, they would literally burn people up. In what way? They saw somebody harvesting, working the land, and they're like, what? What in the world, literally in the world, are you doing? Abandoning eternal truth and godliness, as in learning Torah and connecting to Hashem, in order to what? To harvest a couple of tomatoes? Really? 
Fine, it's not a couple of tomatoes, it's $20 million. Really? Is that the meaning of life? And because they had such big pedo against this person and their big tzaddikim, the person literally, the Gemara tells us, turned into a pile of ashes. They literally burned them up with their perspective. They were so high, they were so connected to the spiritual godliness that they couldn't even understand. In their perspective, the person is burned, he's pure ashes, he doesn't exist, there is nothing positive to him. Why? Because he's just a temporary, meaningless tomato picker. And you develop that attitude, but we find something very interesting. A voice came from heaven, the, the story continues. Hashem told them, Dear Rabbi Shimon and son, get back into the cave, please. You're talking about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son. We're talking about the greatest tzaddikim. And yet Hashem said, mm -mm -mm. apparently, you have a few more things to learn in that cave before you come out. You managed to go all the way up, but you didn't come back down. And before you come out to the world, you need to make your landing. You know, in the... <laughs> In, in the flying world, there is a known word between pilots. Taking off is optional. Landing is mandatory. <laughs> if you're not in the mood to fly, it's fine. You don't need to take off today. But if you did, oh boy, you need to land. You need to come back to the ground. And otherwise, you cannot go out to the world. You're going to crash in there. Or you're going to crash others. And after they went back into the cave for a whole full other year, they came out and they started appreciating people, fixing the roads for, for Koyanim Nak to get impure, basically making the world more habitable for a life of Toiru Mitzvah, which is exactly the opposite of what was done in the beginning. But wait, what was wrong? Why? Weren't they right? Isn't learning Toiru eternal and infinite and marvelous and picking tomatoes very I don't know, limited, temporary, meaningless. Like, there are enough other people to take care of that. We, we're, we're the chosen people, we're the elevated ones. We're supposed to dedicate only to spirituality, to Ruchnius. Maybe it's the way they did it. Maybe they're saying the truth, but you don't have to burn everyone around. No, that's not what it is. The Balsemto explains it like this. You know what's wrong? that when you judge someone else, it's basically you're projecting from yourself. You judge what you can't, spiritually speaking, afford. In other words, before I explain it, I'll give an example. You know when you're, you're taking care of the little children, you're playing with the kinderlach, and you tell them, all right, we finished playing kinderlach, now it's cleanup time. And once clean up, clean up, everybody, everyone, everyone, come on, let's go. We have to pick up the toys. And there is always, <laughs> there is always the Heberman kid who doesn't want to clean up. He's like, uh, I don't know, I need to go to the bathroom or I'm too tired and he's not working. And everyone else is like screaming at him. Oh, come on, you also have to clean up. You also have to pick up the toys and everything. Let me ask you something. Let's analyze the situation. When kid B screams and shouts at kid A, come on, come with us, pick up toys, clean up. Is it because kid B appreciates and connects and loves cleaning up 
so much that he wants to be mezake, he wants to give the merit to his friend to also clean up with him. Is that the case? No, clearly it's not. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. Because he hates cleaning up, because he can't see himself doing that, that's why it bothers him that the other guy manages to get away from it. You're not screaming because you love it. You're screaming because you don't like it. When you're attacking the Jew picking tomatoes, it's because you can't find yourself in that position. When you project yourself into that situation of life, you wouldn't know how to be connected to Hashem. You wouldn't know how to do it with meaning. For you, it's either or. Either I'm in shul, praying, connected, spiritual, or I'm down to physicality, being an animal. It's either angel or animal. And that's exactly the problem. And that's the whole reason and the whole point why Hashem gave us the Torah to make us the breach and the in-between the animal and the angel, which is an Hashem Guf, a Jew who has a special soul, but it's also still inside of a body. And together, we're not like separate things. We make like one perfect merger, one perfect shidach, a connection between the body and the soul. And you need to find the meaning and the spirituality and the godliness in the tomato picking exercise. But when you're still not in that level, when you're still in the realm of, when you're still in the dimension of bitter medicine, it's either you suffer and you get cured or you enjoy and you, enjoy and you get sick. You cannot find, it's a binary system. You cannot find anything in between. So when you see someone drinking something sweet, ha, you're probably sick. Die and become all ashes that you're feeling because, wow, it's sweet. But that's because you can't imagine inside of yourself dedicating yourself to the sweet and eat. The sweetness be the medicine for your life. And that's exactly what the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us. By the way, in the Ha'oras over there, in the explanations, he brings that that was probably the interpretation of the dream that this Chosid uh, who came to Israel, he couldn't find the teacher that teaches Torah in a way of Hasidus. There were many tzaddikim here and there were good Jews and amazing ones. And yet they didn't know how to give sweet medicines. It was either bitter or sick. And he needed the masters of Hasidus. He needed the Baal Shem Tov and his Talmidim. And that's actually what the Baal Shem Tov answered. And in reality, he ended up going back down to Ukraine. And he stayed there until the passing of the Baal Shem Tov. And then after the Baal Shem Tov passed away, he moved back to Eretz Israel. That was the end of the story. But the interesting point here is that, that sometimes... We judge others that are lower, not because we're higher, but because we're actually lower than them. And because we can't imagine ourselves connecting that low of a reality with the godliness that I'm searching, that I'm striving, that I'm looking for. And that's why we find that contradiction in ourselves and we lash it out by attacking them. But the truth is that if you choose the sweet, medicine, which is the chesed way of finding godliness, of finding a lakus in everything, then you don't need that because the picking of the tomato is a godly act. 
because you understand that the picking and harvesting and working in the physical world, having a career, a profession, going out to the real world and having a real down-to-earth life, that is the means and the way to serve Hashem all the way there. And this brings us to a famous, very famous story, but that sometimes we tell it in a cute, perhaps childish way of interpretation. And, and I want to emphasize how real and how true the story is with this per new perspective of the sweet medicine. We all know the story of Rabbi Levi Itzchok of Berdichev. He was called the, the attorney, the lawyer, the defendant of Amisrol. Every time he saw a sinner, a Jew who's doing something wrong, it would have go and defend him and talk good about him and about the Jews. And so lovely was he that sometimes from the folklore of the Hasidic tales, it seems as, I don't know, as if Hasbashon the Tzaddik was like naive or cute, or of course he wasn't. He was smart and deep and spiritual, but he played as if he's being cute to the sinners. For example, there was this guy fixing the, uh, the tires of his wagon, right? And he was, while he was wearing tefillin, like in the middle of Shachris, he's wearing tefillin, and officially at Pialoch, you're supposed to be concentrated and you can't, you know, you can't do a sechadaz and think about other things. And in the middle of davening, in the middle of the days, with the tefillin on, and he goes to grease the wheels of the, of the wagon. He's fixing the tires. The Rebbe of Levi Yitzchok passes by and he sees it. He looks up to heaven and he says, God, wow. Look at your people. Even when they're fixing the tires, when they're fixing the wheels of the wagon, they're thinking of you and wearing feeling. So amazing. Okay, between us. Was that the case? No. The guy didn't care probably. He didn't care about that feeling. You know? And the Rebbe is just being sweet. It's just like inventing a defense to, 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 to talk good about the Jews in front of Hashem so they get blessing. That's how we normally understand the story, but that's wrong. That's not what it is. It's 100% truth. And the Rebbe Rabbi Levi Yitzchak was talking MS. And according to the MS, that is how it is. It could even be that the guy himself doesn't know it, but that doesn't take away from the truth. The truth is that you find here a Jew connected both to Hashem and to reality. And in his perspective, from the Rebbe's perspective, there is a way of being all the way down into like, you know, rolling up your sleeves and dealing with the, with the down-to-earth reality of life and having, you know, sometimes your car gets stuck and things happen and whatever and the check bounced and, and you're dealing with real life situations. And at the same time, you're fully connected with my Yisrael Hashem Elikein Hashem Echod. And because the Rebbe, in his perspective of Hasidus, he was able to do both at the same time. And he was able to see this high level of serving Hashem in which there is no contradiction because there aren't any two dimensions. There is Hashem Echod and Einoid Milvadoi and there is nothing outside or besides for Hashem. In his perspective, that was the only way of doing it. That's how he dealt with his own physical things in life. Whenever he had to, 
change any will of any situation in his physical life, he had that feeling of Shmaestro present in front of him. And that's why he saw that in that Jew, because that's the true MS. Maybe it's deeper than the level of consciousness by that person, but that's the truth that he learned to live according to Hasidus. He wasn't just being cute. He was being thoughtful, deep, and teaching. Teaching who? Teaching us. When we think about that story, and when we connect to this idea, we understand that bringing happiness, that bringing life, that bringing pleasure, that connecting the physical with the material, that, that understanding that by every tomato you pick, you connect to Hashem, that's the way we live the Baal Shem Tov's way of life. And that's what it means to be a Chosid. To be a Chosid is to take the sweet medicine and not think that the only way to connect to Hashem is to be bitter. Thank you very much for listening and we'll meet with Hashem next week.